0: Sometimes uh, you just have to do what you have to do uh, to get sleep when you're tired, right? Um, I'm so glad you're with us today as we jump into part two of our series called Rest, um, and where we're talking about the importance of rest, why it's important, what it looks like, how to do it well, and kind of everything in between. Now, I want to first begin today's message talking about the moments in time when you are not at rest, when you are not sleeping, when you want to be, I think you want to be productive, at least for the most part. Most of us in the off time of our day, um, or or excuse me, when we're not sleeping, when we're actually at work or when we're doing things, we want to be productive, right? Um, Now, sometimes You're almost too productive. Sometimes you have a job or a lifestyle where you dream of having a quiet, simple, almost boring job um, than you're actually experiencing right now. But during those times in your day when things go slow, right, when the hours just kind of tick by slowly, you're not being productive. And the reason that it feels like it's boring and it's not fun is because you're not doing anything. You're not creating anything. You're not achieving or getting anything done. I I hear it all the time when I go to stores and especially these days when it's kind of emptier than normal because of the current pandemic. And, uh, you know, people are really almost glad to see you because it helps pass the time. Why? Because they're getting things done. We, We generally, I think, overall, we want to be productive. We want to get things done. And sure, we have lazy days at our home. We call them duvet days. Uh, Duvet is a reference to a blanket, if you don't know, but it's kind of the days where you just stay at home all day or you stay in bed all day. You know, we want to have those, but I don't know about you, by the time midday rolls around in a day like that, which doesn't happen very often, we have small children, uh, but in a day like that, by by noon, I want to get out, I want to do something, I want to get something done. Because we overall want our time and our skills and our resources to create. We want to produce things. We want to make things better. We want to help others. We want to contribute. And I'm sure that's true for you as well. And that's really good. I mean, it is good to be productive. It's good to get things done. The problem is we have a bit of a a issue between productivity uh, and rest. In fact, We don't do a good job of having a balance between or the tension between rest and productivity. As we talked about last week, we talked about that we have an issue when it comes to the fact that we don't cease work well. We don't cease work well. And, and this may be a weird word for you to, to um, see. You know, we don't talk about it often. Like why in the world, Taylor, are you using the word cease? Well, we talked about last week, this word cease actually comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, or we in English translate it generally as Sabbath. It means to cease. We, cease. We don't stop working well. We tend to bring work home with us. We tend to think about it. We tend to stew on problems that are happening at work. Um, we stay up late sometimes. We can't get to bed because of what's happening in our jobs or in our work. Maybe our work is not necessarily a job. Maybe it's staying at home with the kids or uh, taking care of family or something a bit more abstract, um, and, and we always are thinking about it. We're always kind of consumed by it sometimes, or some of us have this temptation to you know, just take one more call or answer one more email, or answer one more text message. We just kind of do one more thing after one more thing instead of stopping and being done with work. We don't cease work well. We talked about that last week. We also talked about the problem. We don't stop work well, and then we also don't, when we do stop work or we get home from work and we try to kick back and relax, we don't, we don't rest well either. We don't stop it. And, we, and then when we do actually kind of stop work, we don't rest well. We often put ourselves in front of a television screen or uh, listen to something on, on our, our phones or we watch something on our phones or we're skimming social media constantly or shopping online or listening to podcasts or even reading. We're doing things that involve our brain in intense, focused, constant activity. We have a major problem on our hands, in my opinion, because we can do, or we tend to not do either of these two things well. We tend not to stop work. And we also, on the other hand, tend not to rest well either. We're always being engaged. We're always being bombarded with information and content and and video, and, and we can't turn it off. We learned last week that we don't that we desire to be productive and we desire to rest well, we don't do that well. In fact, we don't give the biological parts of our body and specifically our brain a chance to catch up. We give no time for what's called our DNN, our default node network. We talked about this last week and you're probably wondering at this point, is this still a church or a science class? I get it. I just get a little nerdy on some of these things. Um, We don't give ourselves... Uh, We don't give our brain and its default node network. It's essentially the part of your brain that turns on. It turns on super quick. It's like a second. After you kind of tune out and you stop focusing on things, we call it like mind wandering. We let our mind wander. We daydream. Okay? In other words, we just stop focusing on things. We stop thinking. We just kind of just let our mind wander. That turns on our default node network, and our minds just go crazy busy. You think to yourself, well, my mind's wandering. I'm not doing anything. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Your mind is hard at work, organizing your thoughts, repairing your brain, Making connections, learning about things like empathy, seeing things from other people's perspective. In fact, in the book Rest, which I really encourage you to read uh, by a guy named um, Alec, well, his whole name's right right there at the bottom. He said, said, um, when you let your default node network, in other words, you just let your mind wander, you give your mind a chance to catch up to everything that's been happening in your week, everything that's been happening in your day, what happens is you have an increase in life satisfaction. Income, self control, self awareness, memory, empathy, and moral judgment. In other words, when you take time to give your body and your mind a chance to rest, you're going to mature. We're going to mature. It is very healthy for your mind to wander. It's very healthy for you to have downtime where you're not consumed and being inundated with information. Instead, you're taking time for your brain. To mature and grow and heal and become better. But we don't do that, right? Instead we force our minds and our body to do more and more and more. And we certainly, we certainly don't give time for our um, body and our mind and our hearts to to connect with our Father in heaven. As, as Christians, and, and maybe you're not one, and that's totally okay. I'm super glad that you're here today. But at least for those of you who consider yourself Jesus followers, we don't take time to just spend with God and to let our minds and our hearts wander on the concept of God or to, to, to be with him, to be in his presence. We don't cease and be present with God, let alone just be ceasing work in general. And the problem is, especially when it comes to our relationship with God, is um, like most relationships, if you don't invest time in it, it's not going to grow, right? For a relationship to grow, you have to spend time with the person, you have to talk to the person, you have to listen, you have to learn from them. It's the same thing with God. And if you're not taking that time to rest and be with God, then that relationship simply just won't grow. But we as a culture Don't give time for that. We we don't stop the battle between productivity and rest. We as a culture aren't getting the desire to get things done and accomplish things. We don't manage the tension between that and rest well, the the time that we just take to let our minds wander—not binge watch Netflix and things like that—because that's intensive. Our brain has to be very locked in. Our brain can't wander when we're watching things, when we're listening to things. We don't manage this tension well, and I, I say tension intentionally. I think most of us would probably maybe use the word balance, or you hear you know that's kind of the, the cultural word for um, you know having a good balance in life. I don't think it's a balance. I think it's a tension because there is a push and a pull between the two of these things. You're never going to have 50-50. That's a balance. That's where it equals out on both sides. You're never going to have that in our life. But you can't have attention to make sure that one or the other does not overcome each other. And this is going to change seasons of life, right? Some seasons you may have to invest more in being productive and getting things done. And other seasons of life, there's going to be more time to rest. It's going to change. And as you go through those changes, you have to maintain the tension between the two of those. Because there's nothing wrong with either of these, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with productivity. Productivity is good. And rest is equally as good. We just have to manage the tension better. And that's what I hope to help you with for the remainder of the series and the rest of today is managing between the goodness that brings, comes out of productivity and working and getting things done and also resting. Because in Christianity, especially, we were created, we believe that we were created for both of these. Last week, we looked at this first chapter two, verse 15 of, of Genesis said, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And last week, we learned that this word put actually in Hebrew, because we read a translation of ancient Hebrew in the Old Testament and ancient Greek in the New Testament. The, the Hebrew word right here, um, I, I know it's not maybe the easiest to read, but is nunvahet. And you actually read it this way, not this way. So I'm sure you knew that, but you read this way to this way. Nunvahet. Um, in other words, uh, God took man, and this is not necessarily man as an Adam, this is mankind. The word is interchangeable. He essentially took mankind and he placed him in the garden. He essentially rested him in the garden. That's what this word means, to rest them. In other words, it's as if you're taking a child and you're putting them in their room, in their, in their bed maybe, to care for them to let them know that they're in this space and the space is theirs and you're there with them, right? You're all in the same house. So they're in a place of safety. You're present with them, but they also have responsibilities for that room, right? They have a responsibility to keep it and work on it. In other words, to clean it, to take care of it, but also to rest in it, to be restored in it, to be safe with their parents, That's how God envisioned mankind to exist with him. That's the whole Garden of Eden concept is that we were placed with God in this perfect, safe space from the beginning. And in this space, we had responsibilities to work and keep things, but we also were there ultimately to rest with God. But in American culture today, and a lot of, honestly, world countries and, and their cultures, um, that we don't manage that tension well, right? In American culture, we, we brag about how much we work, not about how much we rest. We brag about how early we get up and the work problems that we're trying to solve and how we pushed ourselves to the limit and how we kept going and we didn't stop. And then we tell our kids to do the same thing. You know, you gotta, and, and don't get me wrong, it's great to have a good worth ethic, but we also, we, we push that more than anything else, We don't teach our kids to rest well. We maybe teach them how to binge watch things on television or on tablets, but we don't teach them to rest well either. We glorify work. We glorify productivity. We glorify unhealthy means of resting than we do modeling that which is good. That which we were intended to experience. That which God created us to experience. Rest with him as well as work and keeping the creation that he created for us. There's always a catch with these dilemmas, and I think the biggest one, the biggest falsehood that we fall into when it comes to productivity and work, unfortunately, is that we think the more we work, the more we get done. The more we're at the office, the more we're on the computer, the more we accomplish, the more we're fulfilling our created part to get things done, to work it and keep it. But that is just not factually true. You can spend as much time at the office as you want. You can work as much as you want, but it doesn't actually mean you're producing things. It doesn't actually mean you're creating things. I want to show you a set of, a graph actually, it's a set of statistics on this topic of production of work that to me at least I think is just shocking. And it's according to the OECD, which suffice it to say it's a bunch of the wealthiest nations in the world that get together uh, and run some economic numbers to understand how the world is working and what works best and what doesn't work best. And here's what they discovered. I think this is just amazing. What they discovered about work and productivity that I think could be a wake-up call to us to understand why rest is valuable and why we need to manage that tension better. Here's the graph and I'll, I'll break it down for you. Okay. Over here, we have GDP per hours worked. In other words, what is the value financially that is, comes about from the hours you put into work? In other words, if I put in an hour of work, it's going to equate to a dollar amount of value for our country, for the country in which I Live in okay, and that's right here. And then over here we have hours worked per person in the thousands. So right here is one thousand four hundred hours worked in a year. And in the United States, um, I, I'm pretty sure it's somewhere around two thousand hours is the normal working, the number of hours you put into work in a year on average, 40, 40 weeks a year that kind of, or forty hours a week that kind of thing. Okay, uh, which is about right here. And essentially all these dots are the amount of productivity per hours worked from the wealthiest nations around the world. And what they discovered was that for those countries that, had a, that average workers would spend about 1,500 hours, right here, 1,500 hours, of work, uh, hours working per year, they produced per hour around $50 to $70 per hour. So in other words, they worked, for every hour they worked, they produced $50 to $70 uh, worth of output per hour worked. Over here, down here, you have 2,200 hours. Let's actually take the American model, so about 2,000 hours worked. For every hour, essentially, that an American works, they're producing somewhere around $25 for every hour they worked. I'm going to say that again, so I'm making sure you got it at home. For, for those who work 500 less hours than we do in the United States, for every hour they work, they produce sometimes close to three times the amount of value per hour than we do in the United States. They work less and produce more. We work more and produce less. Who's the smarter one in the equation? Is it better to work longer hours or fewer hours? Well, this graph would indicate that the fewer hours you work, the more you accomplish. And the trend line, this I think is important, the trend line keeps going down. So in other words, if you say, I'm going to keep working harder, I'm going to work 2,400 hours in a year, you actually produce... Somewhere close to $10 an hour compared to the people who work 800 hours less in a year, they produce 60 some dollars per hour. They produce six times more than you do because you don't work that well when you're tired, do you? You get spaced off, you go watching that video, you go reading this book, you take a really long break at the water cooler, you know, you don't actually increase productivity. The longer you work, if you work 12 hour days, 10 hour days over and over and over and over and over again by day seven, by day 10, you're exhausted. Are you not? You're missing things. You're falling asleep. You're dazing off not in a good way and in a healthy way, because you're simply just exhausted. Therefore, you are producing less versus someone who works less. They're working maybe six hours a day. They come to work fully refreshed and they work that six hours a day nonstop. They produce more in that short amount of time because they come in rested than everybody else. Translate a different way. You can work 40 hours a week for 52 weeks. That means there's no Christmas break, no 4th of July. You're working 52 weeks at 40 hours a week. You're averaging $50 less per hour in productivity if you work that kind of a schedule. That's what the richest nations in the world concluded. You can go read this on economist.com. Isn't that mind-blowing? Science actually did some research on scientists because science is a very competitive field. They're always trying to one-up each other and find the next best discovery and that kind of thing. And they graphed the hours worked compared to scholarly articles and books and all that kind of things produced, okay? So the hours that each scientist worked compared to the number of articles and journals and publications they made and discoveries they made, okay, so, and they charted this. And what they realized is that it was an M-shaped curve, okay? It was a big M and then a little M. What they realized is for the scientists that worked, um, the scientists that worked 35 hours were half as productive as the scientists that worked 20 hours a week. The 50 hour, if you worked 50 hours a week, you are as productive, get this, as the five hours a week worked, people. In other words, for creative work, for engaging brain kind of tasks, you are more productive the less you work, Then the more you work, here's the quote out of the book rest that said productivity peaked for these scientists at 10 to 20 hours per week, peaking again at 50 hours. So 10 to 20 hours, 50 hours, um, and became as productive as the colleagues that spent five hours in the lab, 50 hours equated to five hours. The prime, the, the most productive amount of time per hour worked was 10 to 20 hours a week. This is shocking maybe for most of us, but this is also historical. We've known this for quite some times. In the book, uh, Sapiens, fascinating read, something that I encourage everybody to, to check out because I think it kind of gives us a good context of where we've been as humanity. It's not a Christian read by any stretch, but it's about the history of, of mankind. Um, and it really speaks throughout to the, the greedy... of humankind, really, um, to our own detriment oftentimes. It's not his intent. He's just kind of telling the history of of mankind, um, but how so often we want more, but with more comes a great amount of cost. And we don't like the cost, but our desire for more outweighs the cost. And this was such an perfect example. Um, what anthropologists determined from the early hunter-gatherer humans um, is oftentimes their workday, they estimate, would be done around. This is hunter-gatherer, okay? There's no agriculture, no domestication. This is hunter-gatherer. They'd be done working about one in the afternoon. So they'd get up when the sun came up, whenever that was, because they didn't have light so much. They had fire, sure, but not light. Um, and, and they would work from sun up to about 1 p.m., And then they spend the rest of the day with family and community and hanging out and taking care of things until dark. That was their day. Why? Because it worked well. It was a healthy balance. They were so productive with the little time they worked. And then compared to our daily standards today, and then they took the rest of the day off. Here's the best way to say all of this. If some of that connected, some of that was a little confusing, here's another way to say it. Working long hours doesn't necessarily make us more productive. It makes us look productive. Working 50 hours a week, 50 plus hours a week, may be productive for that week. I get it. You may get more done because you worked longer hours that week, but the next week, chances are you can't keep the same pace because you're going to be tired. You can try to do 50 hours plus week after week after week, but eventually you're going to wear out. Eventually you're going to drag out. And the person, essentially the tortoise and the hare kind of example, okay, the person who rested consistently will make it longer and farther and actually be more productive along the way. Why? Because we have limits. Why? Because we were created not to keep working and working and working and working and working. But to rest. So it's not too much of a shocker when 4,000 years ago, before there were companies and before there was research and there was even books for that matter, God gave the Israelites a command. And what did he say in the command? He said, There must be rest. And he started with rest in Exodus. Uh, So these are the commandments, okay? Um, He started uh, 4,000 years ago. He started with the land, okay? This is crazy. For six years, he said, you are to sow your fields and harvest the crops. But during the seventh year, let the land lie unplowed and unused. Isn't that incredible? He said... Israelites, 4,000 years ago, modern day land of Israel, that's where they were. He said, God's people, my people, here's what I want you to do. Let your land rest. Let it rest. And how did the seventh come about? Well, because on the seventh day, God rested and he commanded his people to let every seven years, the land rest. Well what do you do then lord with the food and the stuff that's in the field he said the poor among you your people may get food from it and the wild animals may eat what is left and do the same with your vineyards and your olive groves in other words if you need food you can go out you can get food from it but don't work the land just let it rest if poor people need food have them come out and get some food but let it rest let it rest In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 15, um, I don't have the verses today just for simplicity's sake, but you can read about it. In the seventh year, debts would be canceled. Every seven years, if you had a debt to someone, it would be canceled. What was the intention there? It was intended so that Israelites would be open-handed and generous to others, But also that every seven years, financially, there would be a year of rest and restoration. That you're not going to spend your entire life in debt, unable to get out. But that the nation essentially financially would experience a giant moment of restoration. That it would all be made new. The playing field would be leveled. Also, every seven years, if you had an indentured servant or you were an indentured servant, you would get set free. You didn't have to. It was your choice. You could stay as a servant to a family if you chose to, but you had the option to go free. Why? Because the, the, the relationships uh, between people would essentially be restored, reset on the seventh year. God built this pattern into his people, the Israelites. From the beginning of restoration. He goes on and he specifically says to each individual Israelite, he said, six days, do your work, but catch this on the seventh day, what are you supposed to do? Do not work. Stop working. Cease. Shabbat. Stop working so that your ox and your donkey may rest so that the slave born in your household and the foreigner living among you may be refreshed. You need rest. Rest. Your animals need rest. Your slave needs rest. The foreigners are living among you. Essentially, the less privileged people around you need rest. Why all of this rest? Because even by today's standard, this is extreme. It's extreme to forgive debts. It's extreme to let a field just rest for an entire year or to take a full day of no work. That's by today's standards, fairly extreme, why did God say this? Because He said, You need to be refreshed. Because if you do this, if you rest, you will be more productive in the end. You're trying to be more productive by working harder, but that actually does not work out in the long term. You want to work harder, you want to get more things done, then be refreshed. Be refreshed. Not just you, but your culture, your community, your society. Also, incrementally, every so often, seven years, in fact, you need to refresh. The Hebrew word here is nipash. It literally means to rest, to be refreshed, to take a breath. And be refreshed from a weary state. The nation, get that the nation, the entire people group, every week ceases to rest. They cease work to rest. And then every seven years, there is a massive refresh that restores people's lives, their financial life, their relational life, their economic life. They refresh. Why? Last week, we said that rest is best. This week, we're going to say that rest is best because rest restores. Rest restores. And you and I, we need to be restored. We need to go into our week restored. Because we're going to be more productive. We're going to get things done as we want to do. You and I, we want to be more productive. So then let's do the things that help us get there let's build into our culture into the rhythms of our lives rest because that's how we were created to exist rest restores next week we're going to talk about it from a christian perspective this is maybe more of a jewish perspective but it definitely applies to us as well not in like we have to sense but in a hey this is a good rule of thumb this is how we were created we should pay attention to this we're going to talk about how we this looks in a new testament and a jesus kind of perspective Because God said in the garden, in a perfect world, in the beginning, that man would rest and be restored with him. The perfect world then was compromised, but there are still some things we should take away from it that we should do continuously, regularly, because we need it, because we were made for it. And yes, we were also made to be productive. We were made to to get things done but not to the detriment of rest. There's a tension there. There's a tension there. And a big step when it comes to rest is acknowledging that there is a constant push and pull between the two of these concepts. But that we need to walk away today understanding the value of both because that's how it was set up from the beginning. In the late uh, 1920s, early 1930s, um, in America, uh, we had a bit of a problem we had actually quite a few problems. Um, But uh, one particular one that doesn't get a lot of attention, Uh, most of us in our American history remember what was called the Great Depression. Uh, But one of the many issues that brought about the Great Depression or uh, exacerbated the Great Depression was uh, what was being done in agriculture, specifically um, in farming communities and with farmers. Farmers in the 1920s specifically overworked the farmland in America. They planted the same crop in the same field over and over and over again. Mind you, this is thousands of years after God declared that there should be a time of rest even for land, okay? thousand years later. You'd think we'd learn our lesson, but evidently not. Um, And so the American farmer would do this over and over again. The land could not sustain it. There were not enough nutrients in the soil to sustain this continuous regular growth. That plus abnormally high temperatures, then, in, so that happened in the 1920s, plus abnormally high temperatures in the 1930s, meant that in a lot of cases, half of entire states' crops were lost. You take a state in the United States and the crops, gone, half of them, just over half of them, in fact, just gone. And that meant a lot of dead crops and that meant a lot of exposed soil, dry, barren, exposed soil, which then paired with high winds caused what was called the dust bowl, the dust bowl. And here's a picture of the dust bowl. Specifically, I believe, uh, uh, what was called, I think, Black Sunday. It was, ironically, a Sunday. And high winds paired with poor farming uh, practices throughout America meant massive dust storms. I mean, look at this dust cloud compared to these little homes. And this was middle America. This was what we call the agricultural middle of America. This was Oklahoma, Arkansas, Missouri, okay? This is where we should be producing, not experiencing giant, massive dust storms. But can I be honest? This is how some of our lives feel. This is how some of you feel day in and day out. It's just overwhelming. Just kind of behind. Just kind of empty. Kind of dried up. Kind of brain not working well. Check out this picture. I think this is a better way. This is your house. This is some of the outcomes of the dust storm. It's just layers. Could you imagine in Iowa getting home one day, and your home was, this is not snow, by the way. I just want to be clear because we may be thinking snow. This is dirt and sand, and this was your home, covered, enveloped. I think some of us are living life like this. My friends, you can't breathe in a dust storm. You can't see where you're going in a dust storm really just is simply a mess and it messes up everything. You try to keep it out of parts of your life, but those little grains of sand, you know, they get in everything. Imagine if the farmers in the 1920s had rotated their crops like we do today. If they had let, simply just let the land rest like God commanded thousands of years ago. We've since learned how to prevent this, because <laughs> we didn't think this went too well. But it would have gone better, right? Had their land given, been given a chance to rest, things would have gone differently. The Great Depression wouldn't have been so painful. But yet it was this perfect storm of banking issues and financial issues paired with the fact that we didn't know how to rest. Imagine if things would have been better had people gotten the concept of rest. When things went south, when things went poorly, it is a lot easier to go through them rested and especially rested with the Lord your God than tired, than exhausted, than trying to week after week produce, 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 produce. Rest restores. That's what you got to take away today. Rest is best because rest restores. Rest gives you and your mind and your body a, a chance to breathe. A chance to breathe. Because productivity has its limits. So why keep pushing it? In fact, it is called the productivity curve for a reason. Because the more you work doesn't mean that you actually produce more. There's a tension. There's a choice to be made. Where are you going to end up on that graph? Are you going to keep pushing it or not? I hate to say it, but the truth is out, my friends. So at least for those people watching today, you can tell your friends or your friends can tell you that, they work a lot. They, they, they push it and push and push and push and go and go and go. And they invest more time and all that kind of stuff. But, but the truth is out that the chance that all that work is actually producing more is pretty slim, especially over the long term. You can tell people you're working a lot and you probably are at the office a lot, but it doesn't actually mean you're doing something. It makes you look like you're doing something but you're probably not quite as productive. We need to manage the tension better. It's not one or the other. It's a both and. Work and rest. Work and rest. Ceasing work to take a full day off. Not binging Netflix, but resting. Real rest. Real rest. Not keeping my brain busy and having it inundated by information. I know it's nice to sit down with a good book and stuff like that, but it doesn't give your, cha- your brain a chance for your default node network to turn on and actually do the thing that it's meant to do. Remember from last week, your brain in a resting state is just almost nearly as productive as it is when it's doing intense arithmetic. Math. The default no network is just almost just as productive as if you're doing intense math. Your brain is not wasting time. It's working hard. Give it the chance to do. Go on a walk, not with music, just simply a walk, the treadmill, whatever. Exercise, but don't be distracted by things. Give your mind a chance to breathe. Or better yet, my friends, better yet, take time to pray. Take time to pray, to read your Bible, to work through a devotional, to reflect after you do so, to connect to your Father in heaven. Rest in His presence. Try it. Before you say, I don't even know how that works or whatever, well, how often have you tried it? And I'm not just saying once or twice every year, I'm talking like regular routine. Every week more every day uh, in the week in the morning, rest in his presence. Cease for a day of work and rest. Rest in his presence. And if you have influence into other people's lives, you really need to pay attention because other people are watching you. Consider how your expectations are impacting the people around you, your family, your friends, your kids are your expectations giving your, the people around you a chance to rest? If you're a boss and you have influence over someone, you have authority into other people's lives, are you giving them the space to rest? And I know you may say, well, yeah, but they just squander it and whatever, whatever. I get it, but are you modeling it for them? Are you teaching them? Are you helping them to rest, rest well? Are your kids being raised in a way that helps them to understand both the value of productivity and the fact that God created them to work and to keep the world as well as rest in it? Rest restores. Work smarter, not harder, I think the saying goes. Maybe you need to just be asking yourself, am I honoring God with my time off? Do I have time off? If I don't have time off, I'm not able to honor God well, am I? Am I honoring God with the time that I have, both in my work and my rest? A couple of questions for you to keep the discussion going after we close out today's service. Question one, how do you feel you manage the tension between real rest, not, not Hulu rest, not Amazon Prime rest, but real rest, and work? How do you feel like you do with that? talk to somebody about it. See if they have an opinion in it. And number two, how did your understanding of rest change today? How did your understanding of rest change today? So call somebody up, have a conversation with somebody, discuss these questions. It's well worth your time. Then don't miss next week, because next week we're going to talk about how Jesus fits in this whole thing and how religion, in fact, can get in the way of rest instead of helping it, all right? So until then, let's bow our heads and we'll pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you that um, you created us in your image. And from the beginning, you said that we were created to rest with you as well as work and be productive. Help us not to get those concepts blurred, but to hold them together and manage that tension well. To realize there will be some weeks where productivity is a little higher, where we have to work a little longer, but that rest is no less valuable. And without that rest, we actually are doing harm to our work. And help us, for those of us who have influence and authority into other people's lives, help us to model this well. Model it in a God-honoring way. Help us to teach others this well. And Lord, finally, whether we're new to church or new to faith, maybe we're tuning in for the first time this morning, that we would rest with you, that we would remember what that's like for some of us, that we would recommit to resting with you, but that every day we would build a routine, a habit, a rhythm of life where we're resting with you, where we're letting our mind wander in your presence to hear you, to trust you, to be restored by you, to understand what that's like, if that's a new concept for us, because that is powerful, and that is how rest is intended to be done. Lord, we pray this all in your name. Amen. All right, here's Devin.